the life of each one of us. See, how do we know? Job, what did he say? Let me kill him. And the Lord says, go get him. But I can't because he's living behind the shield. And I can't penetrate it. There was a hedge about the man. And when the shield's in place, then the enemy can only attack from the front. And there was a standing at the gate. And to penetrate that shield, Satan had to give permission. And so when the shield is penetrated, when I've got the, when I have put the shield up, and the missile goes through that shield, then I can say as Paul, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. But it was, you know, it was delivered by a messenger of Satan, but it really was from the hand of God. And the enemy meant this to destroy me, but God meant for me to use this for good. You read that, we're going fast, you know that. I mean, I would love to just camp and look at these teachings, because it'll be over and over in Scripture where you'll see that. Where if God allows a dart to come through, that tar a dart is part of God's plan and process for my life. It's one of those altogether good experiences for me to conform me into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of those experiences. But let me tell you, friend, you and I can get outside of the shield of faith. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Witchcraft is where people voluntarily open themselves up to demonic powers. And the rebellious person is one who breaks out of the shield. I don't care. God says this. But I'm going to do my thing. And when you get out there, it's as if witchcraft, because you've opened yourself up now to all kinds of what? Demonic attack. The enemy can attack you any way he wants to. Why? Because you've laid down the shield. You've laid, and the missiles will come. You, you've ever seen a rebel whose life is going more and more godly? Do you remember the, I was really heavily into counseling young people during the, the, the hippie thing. What kind of, how did those kids' lives, how did they go? They went like this. They went downhill so fast, they bottomed out so fast into all kinds of evil and everything because of rebellion. There is no such thing as the word no Lord. The word Lord means boss. The final authority. And you don't say no to the final authority. Because when you do that, where are you? Out here. And you'll start being attacked. And when you find yourself being unnecessarily attacked, and it just seems like you're being bombarded all over. You better find out, have I put the field, have I got the shield in place? And I'm the one that has to put it in place. Remember, these are things that I am to do. I am to take up that shield every morning and pray that protection around me and around my family and around my children and around my home, around my work, around my ministry, around my clubs. Put the shield around. God is looking up, God is looking for men who know how to pray the shield 
to fill the what? What do you call it? Fill the gap. He's looking for men and women that know how to pray. The hedge of protection. And we need to be doing it. And now we've come to, oh, this one. The helmet of salvation. Pick up a book. And if there, if you can't find the shield of faith, if you look at the helmet of salvation, say the helmet of salvation is eternal security, shut the book, and put it back on the shelf. Now, I'm sure eternal security could be included in that. But that is not what the helmet of salvation is. The helmet of salvation is the helmet of the hope of deliverance. What does it mean? It means that when you and I are in the battle, often the enemy will attack my mind and he gets me to believe what's the use. Why don't we just pack it up and go? You ever felt like quitting? How many times today? (laughs) That's got the smell of smoke on it. Quit. Give up. What's the use? And you need to put the hope of deliverance. There is victory. The battle has already been won and I am standing there securing the victory that is mine. And I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to quit. That's the hope that when I go forth today, that this day, the blood of Christ, the death of Christ has provided all of the victory for this day that I need before I face today. It's all mine. And I am to appropriate the victory of Christ. And when the enemy comes and attacks my mind that it's useless and I might as well quit and I might as well give up, then I'm going to have to pull that dart down, cast those thoughts down, and bring them under subjection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, turn back to Ephesians 6, and I would like for you, if you can, somewhere in your Bible, write this down. There is, don't write this part down. I want to share this first with you. We have two weapons that we are to use aggressively. One of them is what? Sword of the Spirit. And the other weapon a lot of people don't realize is what? Allness of prayer there. Warfare praying is what it follows. With the sword in the hand and with a prayer in my heart, I go forth confident. What is the weakest meeting in any church, I sure it's this one, I've never been here. What is the weakest meeting in a church? The prayer meeting, it ought to be the, the, the best attended. That's where people can do warfare on their knees. You get a church that knows how to pray, the community doesn't stand a chance. When they know how to lay a hold of the Lord specifically and begin to pray, warfare praying around the neighborhoods and battles and homes and so on, you're going to see a church turn the town on fire. Families begin to see things with their children. They know how to pray around them. Pray for that child specifically. And loved ones and so on. 
I was driving in my car. This was Swindoll. You don't write this one down. But um, he was saying, this, talking about spiritual warfare. It was years ago. And he said, the sword of spirit is not the Bible. And then he went quiet for a little bit. And I'm sure people didn't know who it was. A lot of believers reached over and turned off the radios thinking he meant heretic. But what he said is true. The sword of the Spirit is not the Bible. The sword of the Spirit is memorized scriptures. The Spirit of God cannot bring to your mind scriptures you don't know. How can the Spirit of God use the Word of God in your personal life if you don't know it? You're driving down the freeway and you get an attack in the mind. Were well, you going to pull over and get out your Bible and try and find something? No, the Spirit of God immediately wants to bring the truth of God to that lie. Remember, the attacks are coming in forms of deceit and deception. Those things are coming and they're coming in my mind. And I need to cast them down with the Word of God. If you want to take your spiritual warfare seriously, then you must ask God to make the truth. James 1.14, I believe it is, true to you. It says, every man, that includes the ladies, every person is tempted when they're drawn away of their own secret desires and enticed. Satan knows your weaknesses. He designs the attacks around your weaknesses. Do you know your weaknesses? And if you do, why don't you build a scriptural arsenal around your weakness? There's not a problem you have that there aren't verses. And you need to give the Holy Spirit's most effective weapon in warfare, and that is verses that deal with your particular weaknesses. Begin to memorize those and get an arsenal of verses in your mind so that when you come under attack, that you can counterattack with a sword. My son is in a drama team at his college, and he was, um, I forget what he was called. He was, anyway, a Christian that was under attack. And uh, all of these demons came at him as they were performing this for the student body. He was a demon of pleasure and of fame and fortune. And they were all coming to him and offering him all of this. And, and they were crowding around him to finally, he's a Christian, he was under attack. He fell on the floor. And when he fell on the floor, the, um, a voice came over the loudspeaker system. And it was the voice of God. And it said to him, my son's Richard, Richard, stand. Do all to stand. Put on this. Put on the armor. The voice of God said, and Richard put on each piece of the armor as the demonic forces were all around him. And they put him on. And they said, you don't need to put that on. We won't hurt you. We're your friends. And so uh, he reached out to eat some food that one of them offered him. And they tried to bite his hand. He said, you're not my friends. You're the enemy. And then there was a roar. 
however the speaker system and everybody in the Google. And he pulls out the sword of the spirit. And to each one of these demons, like the demon of pleasure, he pulled out a sword and he put it at him. When he did, he quoted a scripture verse that dealt with pleasures. And when he did, the person, there were a roar and the person fell onto the floor. And one by one, he destroyed all the temptations of a college student with scripture verses. And he said, Dad, it was the, the, the thing was about 10 minutes long. And he said, the student body gave us a standing ovation. But you know, we need to see this. That we've got a sword and when we use it, the enemy is defeated. Is it any wonder the last thing we do as Christians is memorize scripture? It's the most effective thing we've got. And the enemy will do everything to keep us from... Oh, you're too busy for that. Why, you're too old. You can't even remember where you put the car keys. <laughs> or whatever. You know what I say? I'll tell you, you just get all this, all kinds of reasons. Why? Don't get involved in Scripture memory. Now, there's something else. That's not what I wanted you to know. There's something here that is extremely important. And if you miss this, You've missed it. I'm going to make a statement. One of our girls was attacked by a man who was demonized on a subway in New York City. You ever been attacked by a demonized man? She got on the subway. She walked in a subway car. And all of a sudden, she had that horrible feeling. She had entered in something really terrible. You know how you get that whatever. A creepy feeling. You want to call it whatever you want to call it. But a feeling that, uh uh-oh. And she sat down on the subway car. And she saw a fellow that she didn't even look at him. And he got up and he walked, she never looked at him, never anything, just got on and sat down. He walked over and she had her legs crossed and he kicked her. She said, if my legs hadn't been crossed the way they were crossed, he'd have broke my leg. Then she looked up at him, he's looking down at her. Now, if you've never seen anyone that's demonized, one of the keys in seeing a demonized person is their eyes. I cannot tell you how awful it is to look in the eyes of someone who's under the control of demons. It's, it's, it's just horrible. To look in their eyes. If you've seen these videos of fire walkers and stuff, if you can, if you see any of that, look at the eyes of that person. And you will see, it's the eyes of the doorway of the soul. And you will see evil and hatred. And I can't tell you all the stuff that just comes flowing out of those eyes. It's just absolutely hard. She looked up in the eyes of this man. She knew immediately this man was under demon attack and they were going to attack her as a soul winner. And so she cried out in her heart to God. And she began to resist Satan in her heart. Now this girl knows about resisting. And how to resist, specifically how to resist him. Afterwards she told me this. And this girl just decided to be part of the New York City team. And she's going to be working in all those areas in New York City. Carrying the gospel. Carrying the gospel. She had been with Word of Life before. Tremendous girl. And, uh, and I thought, you know, there's something wrong with that. And so I called some men that I feel very, very comfortable with theologically, their walk with God, the churches they attend, you know, who they stand for. One of them is Dr. Dick, Dr. Dickinson, the head of the theology part in the Movie Bible Institute for 25 years, who's in search of warfare. His new book I told you will be out uh, at the end of summer. And I called Dr. Dickinson. He's one of the men. And there's a, a conservative Baptist pastor that I call, Mark Budbeck, who's written two books, The Adversary, Overcoming the Adversary, 
Uh, those are books used at Tennessee Temple in their uh, teaching of Satan and demonism. Tremendous books by Mark Rubeck, who's in a counseling ministry of demonized people, people who whose lives are so controlled by the enemy they're out of control. And he's um, pastoring in Iowa. Tremendous man. We have some people, in fact, in the work who are, that's their home church, Dr. Rubeck's church. Um, and I called Dr. Dickinson. And I said, Dr. Dickinson, is it possible to resist Satan in your heart? He said, only if he indwells you. I said, that's what I thought. You and I cannot resist Satan in our hearts. Now, that's important. Now, you don't have to you can write that down on a piece of paper. But in your Bible, I would like you to somehow star here a word. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Put a star by the word word there so you can do a little word study, write it somewhere. I was able to write it right after my verse in my Bible. Don't put this down. The word used for word, the red, the red word of God is the word what? Do you know what the word is that's used basically in the Greek when it talks about the Bible? Logos. There's a bookstore. The Logos bookstore is Logos books. So that means the word of God and it means the written word of God. This is not Logos. I don't resist Satan with the written word of God. The word is rhema, which is the spoken word of God. Extremely important. So we're told here to resist Satan with speaking aloud the word of God. Now the girl asked God to resist that, you know, prayed out to God to resist that man in the subway. God interceded for her. But if she was going to resist Satan or resist Satan in someone's life, you must do it what? Aloud. Thank God for this. Satan does not know what I think, but he can give me thoughts. See, he's not inside of me. He's outside of me. And Satan is not a mind reader. But he wants to manipulate me by controlling my thoughts because he can put thoughts there and he sees in my action how I'm responding to those thoughts. But as I think in my heart and I commune with God, Satan does not know what I'm doing. He does not know what I'm saying when I talk to God. And if I'm going to resist him, I must do it hell. With the word of God out loud, just as it says here. Now you say, but um, can you back that up? It says in James 4, Resist the devil and what? And he'll flee from you. Do we have any account in the Bible of anybody resisting the devil so we could get a figure on how to do it? Did anybody ever resist Satan in the Bible? Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Look at that. This is kind of the climax of where we're going because this is, but you remember, you don't start resisting if you haven't got the helmet on. Because you won't. You've lost hope. You won't resist if you haven't got the breastplate on because you'll be bleeding with a fatal uh, blood will be flowing from a fatal organ if you don't put on his righteousness. You're not going to resist if, you don't, if you're not standing in peace. You'll lose your footing. Do you see? And if you don't have the truth holding it all together, you won't even know how to resist with the truth. 
You see, we, all of this is preparatory to using the sword when he comes. And um, I can never remember which one I want. I think it's Luke is the one I want. They're both good. It's just that Luke says something that's very interesting here. In Luke 4, and this is, this is important as I've read and read and read. This is a statement that these writers write, and you must believe it. Jesus came under attack after his filling. Every day, you and I ought to ask the Spirit of God to fill us. And when we do, we'll come under attack. Attacks, Satan does not attack those who, who are his defectors. And so much of the church has defected into the enemy's camp. He doesn't need to attack them. They're already living over there. He attacks those who want to be spirit-filled. Those who desire to live a godly life. Those who desire to be used of God. Those who want to be like Jesus Christ. They're the ones that come under attack. And you will come under attack if you have that desire. Jesus, being full of the Spirit of God, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for what reason? To be tempted. Jesus did not stumble off the path as, you know, a Christian in uh, Pilgrim's Progress and wander off. He was led by the Spirit into a place of temptation, a place of testing. And Satan came to him and Satan spoke to Jesus and Jesus heard what he said in his heart. And Jesus said, oh my, what do I do now? I never thought this would ever happen to me. Is that what he said? He said, Satan, I think you ought to leave. I just don't think you ought to be around here. We don't believe that. You know, we're Baptists and we don't believe that. And you just shouldn't be around us. Does that work? If I go to Vendale Baptist Temple. <laughs> you know, you can't bother me. I'm going to the Vendale Baptist Temple. <laughs> Probably because you go here is why he's around. Now, what did Jesus do? He used scripture. He said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. Well, he could have. It's scripture. All scripture is profitable. He could have said, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and he died. That's scripture too. But what did Jesus do? I mean, here we've got the example right for us. Jesus quoted back scripture that dealt specifically with the area he was being tempted in. Do you see that? The scripture is specific. And he's, it's, this is our example. He left us an example that we should walk in his steps. And so when the enemy came to the Lord Jesus, he pulled out the weapon and he quoted specific scriptures to Satan when Satan specifically attacked him. And that's exactly what we're doing. And Jesus said the scriptures how? Out loud. He didn't say them in his heart. If the Son of God, in his temptation, had to speak the word aloud, then what makes you and I think that we can resist Satan and not speak it aloud? And that's the second trip of the enemy. Don't say it out loud. Well, he can't hear it. And so you say out loud. Peter said it out loud. Stephen spoke out loud. You speak the word aloud. And so Jesus was filled with the Spirit. And then he was led by the Spirit. He went into spiritual battle to show us exactly how to do spiritual battle. So study it out. And at the end of that battle time, and he resisted Satan three times. And Satan 
did what? Resist the devil, and what will he do? He will leave. I wish it was forever. It's for a while. And then after that, look at verse 14. Jesus returned in the what? Power of the Spirit. Do you know any idea of the power of God in your life and ministry? We were just, how does it say we were to stand? In what? The power of his might. That's how we're to stand. And Jesus went from that time, not defeated, discouraged, but he went from there what? In the power. He was filled and then he was walking in power because he was exercising the sword in battle. And that will make us powerful in our ministry. Powerful in our witness. Powerful believers. I want to read again out of Swindoll's little book. And I, I want you to realize that we have barely scratched it. We've barely scratched the subject. I hope I've scratched it enough that you'll get serious about studying about your warfare, the battle you're in, and the protection and what God has given. Here are four suggestions from Chuck Swindoll for resisting the devil. I was so pleased when I saw this. I said, boy, this guy is right on the beam. He says, the simple process that will help you. Number one, vocally, vocally, declare your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Use his full title as you do. Openly acknowledge that he is your master, your Lord, the one who has conquered all other powers at the cross. You know what he's doing? At my son's Bible college, they had some missionaries there that were involved in spiritual warfare. And they said, how many of you kids have given your testimony to the devil? I was listening to the tape and I said, testimony to the devil? Where in the world do they get that? It says in Revelation, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It's exactly what Swindoll is saying here. What you're doing is you are declaring war. Satan, if you didn't know, I want you to know whose side I'm on. I want nothing to do with you or anything else. I want to stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. I gave an invitation in the church. For people who wanted to do that. It was beautiful. People came with tears running down their cheeks. As they could to stand. And their stand was, I want nothing to do with the enemy. And I am going to become a real soldier of Jesus Christ. And I want him to know. I want Satan to know. This is a public thing. That I am standing with Christ. And I want nothing to do with him. And nothing to do with what he has to offer. And they were adults. And there was one little boy. They were visitors. And the mother said, as we went out, Mother, I have to do that. But I didn't want to do it in a strange church. And that little boy did it at home. Ah, praise God. But verbally declaring where you are. Secondly, denying any and all allegiance to the devil and his demonic host in the occult. Do this forcibly and boldly, again expressing these things aloud. That is breaking all the ground that you may have given to the enemy that you know of. 
I cancel and take back any ground of my life. A lot of young people were into the drug thing and got really involved in the Satanism, all that kind of stuff, the occult, Ouija boards, um, you know, any of that kind of thing uh, that people would be involved in. Ouija boards, uh, uh, tarot cards, fortune tellers, on and on and on and on. If you've ever given your life to that, if you've ever been involved in that, break that. The third, claim the full armor of God based on Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, as your complete protection. Read this passage orally with emphasis. Isn't that interesting? Everything Swindoll says, it's orally, orally, orally. Based on what? What does it say in Ephesians? With the rhema of God. You resist Satan with the spoken word of God. And fourth, finally state firmly your resistance of demonic influences. We need to wind this up. You're going to get a paper with two things on it. One is dealing with the devil. Just very, it's, it's very simplistic. But one of the things that uh, I wanted you to have is a resisting of Satan. I, um, I shared with you the girl that um, came to us and and we more and more she talked, the more and more we found out how much she was involved in all the Satanism and everything. And I knew in the notebook here, it wasn't this one, but in the notebook we have three specifics resisting Satan's. And so this was the first day. And I turned to the girl and I said, you have got to start resisting Satan. And she started crying. And she said, I can't. I said, let me read this to you. This is one of the resistings. And this is not the one you're getting, but this one is better than the one you're getting in the sense that for this girl, it fit her perfectly. I mean, here I got a notebook. I flopped the notebook open, put my finger down. It's like that, you know, finding scriptures. And, and I read it, not knowing all of the stuff that this girl had been involved in. And it was unbelievable. But this is a resisting. And I want you to hear, what does it mean? I resist Satan. What are we talking about? I claim for myself the full victory of the Lord Jesus Christ has won over Satan and all his forces. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take back all the ground I may have ever given to Satan. I break all demonic connections and subjections. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I resist the devil and command him to flee from me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command all wicked spirits to leave me and go to the pit. I am bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and choose to be entirely to his glory. When I read that, got through reading, I read it very slowly so the girl could hear what I was reading. As I read, she began sobbing more and more and more and more. And she looked up at me with tears streaming down her cheeks. She says, I can't. Now we're talking about a girl that been to Bible college. I can't do this. I said, why? She said, well, I gave my soul to Satan and in service, in worship. That's when we found out the girl had, was going to worship Satan worship services. And she said, if you give your soul to Satan and you try to take it back, do you know what they will? the demons will do to you? And I said, no, what? They said, they will destroy me violently. That's in the blood covenant. Satan will send a demonic host and they will destroy me violently. Do you know that there are probably more... Uh, 
which things going on out here than you guys have any, any, any idea of? People involved in all this kind of stuff and to degrees of this? It's just all over. We had a woman come to our headquarters for help during uh, in New York. She was in New York City. They had been working and they led a witch to the Lord. It was a, they were working with young people and one of the people in their mission group is a doctor in a hospital. And that's how she supports herself. And a girl who was a witch was in the hospital sick and this doctor who was in this group of reaching young people witnessed to her and this girl came to Christ. This girl was in a coven. There are 13 girls in a coven. A coven is a cluster of, of witches. And there's 13 witches, and then there can be warlocks, which are the fellows, but 13 witches make a coven. They will take seven covens, make up something or other. They, one girl from each coven is selected to be married to Satan in a very special way. There'll be seven brides to Satan from these seven covens. And then one of the girls of the seven will be picked to be Satan's special bride. And that was the girl that was led to Christ. And I'll tell you, she was having all kinds of demonic attacks after she found the Lord. The enemy was coming. They'd have to pray. It would just, they'd fill their, the room with their presence. And they'd have to pray the blood of Christ for this girl. Well, a girl from New York City came to see me to get help at, at Christmas time to get a notebook. Well, I didn't have half this notebook done. And she said, we need it badly because we're getting involved. She said, you can't believe the young people that are involved in all this stuff. It's just unbelievable. But what we're finding is we're working with these kids. It's awful. And we need to free these kids. And we want, to, we want information and we want to do it right and so on. And so I said, come on. She was in St. Louis. I said, drive out and I'll have the material for you. She drove out. I went to one copy machine. They give her material on how to resist and how to help this girl resist the devil and how to teach this girl. It wouldn't work. I went to the other copy machine, which is a new copy machine. This was so phenomenal. And I mean, I just thought it was par for the course. We turned it on. I put the pages on there and I pushed the button. And this is a new copy machine. Every time a page would go through, graphite would shoot out of the machine on my clothes. And they came by and they said, what is that black stuff all over the floor? I said, look. Clunk. I said, I never saw that before. They had to sweep up, clean up the machine, and it's never done it since. Satan does not want people to be taught to resist him. And that could be why I was sick this morning, because I feel super new. Well, I could go out and eat a stalled ox or something, you know. <laughs> and this morning, the food, just the thought of food, made me want to go to glory. <laughs> but you have that, resisting. And you know, the, the Spirit of God gave me, I said, aren't you a Christian? The girl said, yes. I said, you've already taken your soul back. I didn't know that. And she prayed that prayer. Phrase by phrase. I wish I had it recorded. If I would record that, you'd hear a girl who had been involved in Satanism and the demons were attacking her and she was going through literal hell. They had terrible thoughts of destroying herself and her family. You ever read that about a kid turned around and killed his family? You know where that comes from. And that's the thoughts this girl have killing her parents who are Christians and missionaries. These horrible things that were going on in this girl's life. And as she read that little paragraph I read to you, I've never heard anything read with more tears streaming down her face. It was hard for her to say those words. 
because she knew what she was saying was real. It wasn't words on a paper. She was addressing someone she had worshipped and saw his power, and now he was working on her life and he was destroying her, and she knew she was in battle, and if you could have heard her, it would thrill your heart. With the tears and the weeping, as she began to take back the ground that the enemy that she had given to the enemy. So very important. And on the other side of this is the prayer that Warren Wiersbe prays every day. It's like what he prays. Of all the prayers, we have a section notebook about that thick of warfare praying. Warfare praying is praying specifically the word of God in its dealings with with um, applying it to situations. Learning how to, it's called actually doctrinal praying. It's learning how to pray scripture back to God in a very specific way. Mark Brubeck has done a tremendous job in, in co- encouraging college kids to begin to reach out and to claim what God said he would do, to pray it. Now here is the prayer, and you, this is yours when you go. This prayer is from The Strategy of Satan by Warren Wiersbe. Wonderful book. It's one of those you need to get, two and a quarter, 235. I'll loan you the money when I get back. <laughs> Father, And this should be our prayer today. This could be the concluding prayer of our whole session here. This is a warfare prayer. He prays it every morning. Remember, he gives his will to the Lord. He gives his body to the Lord. He gives his mind to the Lord. He gives his will to the Lord every single day. And then he prays a prayer like this. Because he says, don't pray this prayer all the time. But this is a prayer in my book. Swindoll has one in his book. The kind of prayer that he prays. But this is what it's like. Father, Thank you for the provisions you have made for victory over Satan. Now by faith, I put on the girdle of truth. May my life today be motivated by truth. Help me to maintain integrity. By faith, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. May my heart love that which is righteous and refuse that which is sinful. Thank you for the imputed righteousness of Christ. By faith, I put on the shoes of peace. Help me to stand in Christ's victory today. Help me to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. By faith, I take the shield of faith. May I trust you and your word today and not add fuel to any of Satan's darts. Thank you that I can go into this day without fear. By faith, I put on the helmet of salvation. That's This helmet of salvation is fear, fear of losing fear that I won't be adequate, that kind of thing. May I remember today that Jesus is coming again. Help me to live in the future tense. Protect my mind from discouragement and despair. By faith, I take the sword of the Spirit. Help me to remember your word and use it today. Father, by faith, I have put on the armor. May this be a day of victory. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Well, I'll tell you. And we need believers that believe that and will pray that and we'll see things turned around. You'll know when the enemy's there. You'll pull the sword. He'll leave. You're in warfare. And then you'll be in warfare for others. And pretty soon people will come to you. And they will say, can you help me? I'm so defeated. I'm being so defeated. Can you help me? And you can teach them how to stand. Father, 
I pray for all of us here. We're all here because we love you and are serving you. And we know that we come under attack because we're serving you. We know that the enemy can steal out of our hearts everything we heard right now. And so, Father, we're saying, seal the truth. Don't let us walk away from here saying, oh, those were some good thoughts. Father, may we see that our whole future victory and effectiveness is based on how we respond to the truth. Help us, Father, to become very serious about the warfare that we're in and to appropriate all the pieces that you've given to us so that we might stand resisting and quenching and wrestling the powers of darkness. Oh, Father, we're thankful that we go forth today in your victory. Amen.